Blood Covenant, the B5 Sabat story, is a production of Simulacra Studios. This podcast is intended for a mature audience and contains descriptions of violence, sexual activity, mental illness, body horror, and inhumane supernatural depravity. If you are not comfortable with what you hear, please feel free to skip ahead or stop listening. If you'd like to support the show, please visit patreon.com slash studios. <laughs> Do you even praise? So, Buck. Yep. You are in the Maserati. Traffic laws are being ignored, and your driver, your companion for the evening, who introduces himself as Stefan, says, "So you don't, uh, you don't know what this uh, little party's all about, do you?" No, but uh, I got a personal invite from Skinner. Ah, okay. Well. Because you have piqued my interest, I will do you the favor of letting you know a little bit about what this is all about. See, Skinner, he's uh, at Tribu of uh, the Banahakim. Huh. He is known to be one of the best assassins and hunters that the Sabbat has ever known. He takes down the hard targets. And word on the street is that he has found something really good. And if you were lucky enough to be able to keep up on one of his little hunting trips, the glory is astounding. Oh shit. Well, I reckon I should have packed, uh, I reckon I should have packed a lunch. Well, you tend to be able to eat on the go on these trips. Right on. I hope you're up for it. Well, I hope so, too. And he says, uh, we're almost there. He, he stays near the heart of things. Right on. And he drives you to a, a meatpacking facility. It's, it's close to downtown. And he says, uh... This is where he stages his operations. I don't know where he lives. No one knows where he lives, but this is where he uh, gets things going. You sure you're ready for this? This is the big boy's table. And he stops the car. He pulls it into the facility. Like, there's a big metal door that's rolled up. And the cars that are following him and his car, they all come into the facility and the door gets rolled back down. And he very quickly gets out of the car, goes to open your door, and holds his hand out for you. Right. Take his hand. Okay. He takes your hand, and it's very quick. When he's taking you out of the car, he turns your hand over to look at your palm for just a moment, and then goes back, and then he says, ah. Find what you were looking for? No... But who knows? Better luck next time. You're the one needing luck. Ain't that always the way. You know about the Black Hand. Yeah, you know about the Black Hand. You know that they are, you know, marked by a, a sigil on their palm that's mystical in nature. 
and if you you think you might have been been checking your membership card gotcha uh i'm gonna casually kind of see if i can see his right palm he is wearing gloves of course he is (laughs) what a jerk okay but yeah, he leads you in with a couple of other. There's maybe about 10 other people who have, have been sort of given the nod to this little arrangement. And he he seems to know where he's going. Uh, and he leads you sort of down into the basement of this facility where there's like a big stack of crates and boxes and barrels of, you know, the horrible shit that one might find in a meatpacking industry. They just start to move stuff aside until they find another big iron door. One of them seems to have a key, and they open it, get locked in. And uh, the people here, they are all kind of, no one's actually like talking to you or really acknowledging you, but they seem to be like, okay, Stefan's got a new toy, so they're they're letting him manage you. Okay, and I and Buck, for all the world, is coming off uh, like he's content to be Stefan's toy. You eventually get into sort of this inner chamber, and there's a couple of tables, a lot of chairs, a few sort of very threadbare sofas and other places to sit, but all of that is eclipsed by what is along the walls. There are sort of strung along the ceilings, you see fangs, just sort of in an unbroken line hung all around the room. Do they look like vampire fangs? Oh, yes. Nice. On one wall, there is a collection of odd-shaped skulls that are very big. They kind of look human, but they're bigger. Some of them have very odd, prominent fangs. And there is a big pelt of some big hairy creature that's staked onto the wall. Okay. Along another wall, you think it's a statue of some sort... It's metal. It's oddly shaped. It, it, like As you're looking at it, you think it's more like a suit of armor. But you see grafted into it is a human skeleton. And on the other wall, set in almost a shrine, is a large war hammer that is steaming. When you get a better look at it, it looks like the head of it it seems to be made of like thick, unmelting ice. And the rest of them, they've clearly been here before. They're not marveling at these things. You know, they're, they're more, you know, socializing, chatting, talking amongst themselves. But how would Buck react to seeing these things? Buck is going to kind of look at these things. And Buck has a vague idea of what the pelt is. I mean, he, he knows that werewolves exist. He's probably never encountered one, but he knows that they're out there. He, he is gangrel. But some of this other stuff, he's 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 really fascinated with that hammer, and he's just gonna kind of go, and he's he's not gonna fanboy. He's gonna try really hard not to make an ass out of himself, but he is going around and sort of looking at each piece and trying to appreciate it with an artistic eye, so that people think maybe he's kind of like, ah, I appreciate this piece. It's a vintage troll war hammer from the early, war. but in fact, he's on the inside. He's like, holy crap, what have I gotten myself into? And then there's just a little piece of him that's like, maybe one of these things can kill me. You take in the surroundings, and you can't help but notice that people are giving you looks as you sort of admire all of these things. Okay. 
it's not derisive, but it is like, ah, this, here's a new kid. The one of those that seems to be the most callous, uh, or I should say the most condescending, I'm going to go sit directly beside that person. Okay. She is this thick, like, muscularly built woman. Dark skin. Looks like five miles of bad road. When you sit next to her, she just kind of, like, chuckles a little bit and says, uh, and what's your name, kid? Um, my name's Chuck. Chuck. You can call me, uh, Two Buck. Most people call me. Two Buck. Two Buck. Okay, Chuck. You good in a scrap? I'm good in a scrap against some things, huh? But as I can tell you've already ascertained, I, I don't rightly know what in the hell we're doing, so maybe I am and maybe I ain't. I guess we all gotta start somewhere. <laughs> well, you know, I've found the people who look like you are either very green or very good and are very capable of hiding what they can do. Well, let's go with very green then, or maybe I'll surprise you. I really hope you do. That would be so much more entertaining than another piece of cannon fodder. Well, me too, because my ductus is going to be real pissed if I die. Oh, is Daddy going to be upset? Yeah, but I mean, if I'm dead, I really guess I don't give a shit what he thinks anymore, huh? Yeah, death is like that. What's your name? My name is Isabella Marinda. Well, Isabella, I do hope to see you out there. Well, Skinner never picked a soft target, so I think we're all in for a ride. I would imagine so if he's got this collection of ass kickers. <laughs> but let's see, uh, I'm going to do my best to survive, but my goal is to get my name on the scoreboard tonight. Oh, oh, all right, all right. Let's see if we can earn some points then. Right on. She says, uh... You ever been up against anything like all this? I fought my daddy once in the ninth grade. He always said, boy, the moment you think you can take me down, let's roll. So I, ninth grade, I went after him. And he knocked me the fuck out. So I guess we're going to find out if this is the same thing or something different. That is just the most precious thing I've ever heard. I thought it might be. Reggie, you follow her. These portcullises rise up, and she leads you into a chamber that is almost indescribable in how mottled and twisted it is. You can only imagine this is what the inside of the, like, the stomach of a dragon might look like. Hope you like sphincters. In fact, you do not see a proper door leading out of this room. You straight up see a sphincter. And lining the walls of this area are... You think you recognize faces, but they are just essentially just giant gaping mouths at this point, with their jaws fused open to just be receptacles, with sort of these scraggly blunted fangs, and then nothing else that you recognize as a person. Would it be improper to ask um, a little bit about the decor? By all means, what questions do you have, young man? Oh well, I did notice the uh, the extended uh, the extended incisors on uh, some of our wall mounts over here. I was just wondering what their purpose was. Hmm. 
their purpose. They are uh, intake. These are all <laughs> enemies who foolishly sought to take this city from us. And we have put them to new use. Are they conscious? In a way. But that is not their function. Their function is to process the base lead, and she taps the, the buckets, into something more usable for the rest of the facility. Ah, is it feeding time then? Speaking of which... Excellent. He is screaming inside, but we are. But he knows that now is not the time to, to choke. Yeah, you uh, open up one of the barrels, and you see that there is the, the handle of a large-looking soup ladle inside. I knew there. Was, I knew there was gonna be a, just a big ass industrial ladle in there. I, I knew it in my bones. So, um, without, yeah, without any more prompting than that, I will take that squeaky ass wagon because I know it has a squeak <laughs> over, and I will start serving up the soup. Oh yeah, it's very squeaky. When you bring the blood up to the first mouth. It can't really move all that much, but you do see, like, the, the connected esophagus start to twitch and tiny twitches in, like, the, the, the lips as it starts to ingest the blood, and then it calms down when it starts flowing through, the, through it. Oh, there's a hungry guy screaming internally. And you are able to, because this is a fairly big ladle, empty all of these barrels into the waiting maws of these terrible, terrible prisoners. Is is Mistress Anya overseeing me, or does she go off at some point? Or Oh, she is watching you. She is watching every single thing you do. When you're about to finish, she says, Where do your skills lie, young Reginald? Oh, well, I, uh have a degree in organic chemistry. I'm fairly decent at um, the end, the chemical engineering aspect of it at this point. Uh, found I have a particular knack for improvised explosives recently. Hmm. But, but uh, more of a kind of find myself in the jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none category beyond the general, you know, Sciences. Mm, let me see. A little bird told me that you were involved in the illicit drug trade at some point in your life. That oh, that is correct. We uh, we were the biggest bromomescaline distributors in around Austin before the siege. What is bromomescaline? Ah, uh, have you ever heard of the uh, peyote? The, the the chemical peyote? Ah. Yes, yes. Uh, the active substance in that rendered, uh, just created through a simple synthesis. Uh, it, it requires, instead of hours upon hours of vomiting and a lot of drinking of tea, it requires down to a few milligrams of powder and similar effects, much shorter, cleaner experience. Efficient. We were very efficient. It's why, it's why we uh, got too big. Hmm. I am interested in these sort of things. I have heard from one of my children who uh, was a connoisseur, should we say, that um, such things enhance awareness. 
He told me of uh, something called a body high. Ah, well, that is... My particular brand was, you know, very heavy on the body. A lot of psychedelic imagery, from what I'm told. I never partook myself. Mm-hmm. Ah. Mostly because you wouldn't... Uh, it's not It's not conducive to working with uh, highly volatile chemicals while tripping your balls off. <laughs> Pardon the language. Ladle. Oh, no, no, I do love vernacular. So could you synthesize something that could be given to a mortal that might help uh, those of our clan reach new levels of awareness of the body? Uh, With time and subjects, yeah, probably. Uh, It would require just something that bound... Obviously, we would need living subjects, and then we would created something that would more readily bind to red blood cells or stayed in the blood in higher concentrations for longer because obviously we would want a higher concentration upon feeding, but yeah, that seems 100% feasible. Excellent. Excellent. I may ask for you later. Oh, absolutely. But there's more work that we need to do. And you ladle the last remnants of the bucket into one last gullet. And not even thinking, because he's actually talking about something that gets him excited, he tap, he pats it on the forehead. Like, <laughs> just pat, pat. Good job. It just, like, barely, it like barely squirms away, but he's like, do not pay it affection. Oh, my apologies. Sorry, I was just excited. It is all right. Now, there's more things we must do. Come. And with the even distribution of everything, you sense sort of a relaxation in the general environs. And that door sphincter loosens a little bit. And she uh, pushes her way through it. Shoulder first, I suppose. So I will I will follow. I will continue to pull the wagon with me unless she tells me not to. She doesn't say anything about the wagon. All right. I got my little red wagon. Layla and Paisley, he begins to walk out of S-Bot, indicating for the two of you to follow. Yeah, I... Are we arm-in-arm, Paisley? This is exciting for us. Probably. I mean... Yeah. Doing the whole schoolgirl bit. I know. He's cool, what can we say? He actually leads you to the same place where uh, you, you guys saw Buck heading out. Then goes to a basically a underground park car park, where there is a young woman sitting in an old model Bentley, but it does ha- seem to be spacious. Like it's a, it's one of the big models. He opens the door for the two of you and uh, motions you into the back seat. Here you go in first, Paisley. Okay, scoot, scoot, scoot. He gets into the passenger seat next to the driver, and he says, uh, take us home, Leanne. And she nods and drives out into the city. I really hope everybody's having a fantastic evening. I am so far. And he pulls out a, a little leather notebook from his jacket and starts to read. He doesn't really look back to you. He doesn't talk to you. He seems to be engrossed in whatever it is that he's reading on this trip. 
If he's gonna be silent, I'm gonna spend that time in silent contemplation, arms crossed like I'm praying, like just head down, eyes closed, just like bobbing my head a little bit as I speak to myself. She's just sort of watching the city go by at night and sort of taking in the the weird, cold, still beauty of Montreal. And she's just sort of like experiencing the night, driving through, you know, in a stranger's car. And it's like, yeah, that feels right. This feels good. This seems about right for Montreal, right? And that's what she's thinking to herself. It does. So you eventually drive to the north of the city where it's less densely packed. There's more more residences in this area. This is where the rich people are. The driver pulls into a private drive that's very, very well concealed by hedges. The driver gets buzzed in and you find it's not a very big house, but it is a nice house. Not extravagant. It's well built. Not a lot of windows, but it doesn't it doesn't look strange for not having a lot of windows. It's not like covered in iron shutters or anything. If you were a mortal and you saw this house, you would say like, oh, there's a house of a person who likes their privacy. Fair. Yeah, it's the best way to go about it. Pulls into the garage. He opens up his door and he goes to open up Paisley's door. And he offers you his hand. Um, as she hears the door open, oh, thank you. And steps out takes the hand. He yeah, gets you up, and then he leans into the car to get Layla's hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I sort of, like, place my hand very, like, politely on his as I get out. You know, I don't want to, like, grab and pull. It's, like, gentle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's there's no force to this man. Like, he doesn't drag you or grab you. It's sim- He's simply guiding you out. And he opens the door to the inside of the house. And... The inside of the house is almost completely bare. There is nothing on the walls. There is barely any furniture. It it looks like an almost empty house. He sort of leads you into sort of a conversation pit area that has some pillows and some rugs and a a small fireplace. And he says, by all means, have a seat. Oh, thank you. I'm going to find a nice squashy pillow and just my butt down on it. And he, uh sits across from the two of you and he says i hope you don't mind my accommodations are not (laughs) particularly regal i don't need much in the way of physical niceties that's fine that's admirable free from trappings (sighs) such things are of mortals there are much much deeper experiences to be had within the blood and the body of a canine than what an interior decorator can provide. So, I know why you're here. You come at the behest of Vykos. Yes. She has sent messages to those of us in the city who are more dedicated to the paths. I don't know what she wants you for. Do you have any idea? Which one of us? Or the pack in general? Both of you. Either. Or pack, whole. The pack is a whole and of itself, is it not? But the individuals do matter. They do. And I think 
I think we were singled out because we we had recently shown our dedication in taking over a, a t certain temple and retrieving Layla for one of our own, so. Hmm. So, I hope you won't find me indelicate when Layla and I start speaking of things of our blood. By all means, go ahead. But I think you should be here for this conversation, as you are the priest, yes? Yes, sir. So, I'm going to dispense with euphemism and speak plainly about this. You are... Your blood is that of Sets, yes? Yes. And you are not of the bloodline that has dedicated itself to the Sabbat. I don't believe so. We are called the Serpents of the Light. And we have consciously split from the origin of our blood. We follow different ways. We have different beliefs. We scour ourselves of every possible connection to that being. Why did you betray your faith? <sighs> and I want you to be honest with me, Layla. And Paisley? Yes? Whatever she says. I, I won't. I'm not going to censor her. She's of her own free will. She can answer as she wishes. Good. It's difficult to talk about. I need you to talk about it, Layla. I think you need to talk about it. Or you're never going to be where you need to be. I... I suppose the way I've been explaining it to my pack is that the way of life I had been brought up in, it came to a point where I found no more truth in it. I went through my initiations and my I learned all of the secrets. I well, what was given to me at the time. And what I found out contradicted everything that I had been taught as a mortal. And as my time as a corpse. And... You were born to the church then? I was born in the church, yes. I see. He looks up to your hair for just a moment and says, go on. I finally got to the point where I could go out into the desert and participate in bigger, greater truths and what I saw in the desert. And she's like, it's she's very visibly on, on edge while she's talking. And he says, what do you need, Layla? What do you need to make this easier? I'm going to start gently rubbing, like, the, her back. We need to get through this. Whatever was, whatever was out there wasn't 
clean. It wasn't that sort of clean death that we're raised to expect, or I was raised to expect. Death in a way for us is, it is clean. It's dry, it's not rotting like that. And what I saw was unclean death. I'm going to ask you a very important question, Layla. And it's a question that all of us who share this blood have to wrestle with, particularly those of us who have left the church or were never a part of it. Do you believe in Set? He's in your blood, and you cannot deny that he calls to you. Did you leave because you denied... That wasn't it. What was it then? I don't know. I don't know what was in that temple. I don't know what we were putting blood in the sand for, but it's gone. This pack, this pack destroyed it. I did the right thing. Mm. I understand. I understand. And it's good. It's good that you destroyed what was ever down there. But that means that you still haven't confronted him. Not in the way you need to. I suppose not. No. I don't. I don't think I feel a call like people say that you should. I don't know. Sister Paisley, what do you think about all this? I think that it's been very difficult, but I think that Layla did the right thing and what she knew in her heart to be true. And uh, I'm going to pull out one of my crazy McDonald napkins and hand it to Layla in case she needs to cry. No. She, she sort of reaches out with it with both hands. And like when she takes it from you, she like wraps the hand you're offering it with in both of hers. Yeah, just a two-handed squeeze, you know. She puts her she puts her forehead to your hand in like this sort of gesture of like, you're you're so good to me. And she takes it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna give it a, a a good squeeze. I think I am going to show you two something. Something that I think Layla needs to see. And I think Paisley you would benefit from greatly. That would be nice. And, um, Layla, if you're ready. I'm fine. It's, I'm alright. Okay. Because that was obviously really rough for you, honey. And I'm just going to rub the back of your shoulders again. That was rough, but I'm glad you said what you said. Oh, it's just, ugh, it's emotional. Ugh, I hide my pain. You're, you're allowed to show it here. You're allowed. I'm going to take you somewhere that most of the city doesn't know about. We have been allowed to keep it for reasons that I'm not going to go into. So, the Archbishop knows. But the rest of the city doesn't need to. Do I make myself clear? Perfectly. Yes, sir. 
Good. And he stands and leads you to, to the basement. Thank you for listening to this week's chapter of Blood Covenant, a V5 Sabbat story, presented by Simulacra Studios. Simulacra Studios is an entirely listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to support the show, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash simulacrastudios. Patrons can listen to the entirety of Season 1 right now. In addition to gaining access to our private Discord server, where you can chat with the cast and crew of all Simulacra Studios productions. Again, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week.